Hey, Guy Watch people. It's Phil Gothi again with the Guy Watch podcast. Hey, I just wanted to uh, let you guys know that as we're speaking, uh, the hurricane is coming through Florida, Hurricane Irma. And, you know, keep our our friends down there in our prayers and thoughts. And uh, as long with everything that's happened in Texas, it's kind of been a crazy weather time for us in the States. So uh, keep us in your thoughts and prayers. And also this week we have a conversation with a gentleman named Matt Dan Hartog, uh, he kind of stepped up at the last minute when somebody uh, had to, an emergency. They couldn't continue with uh, with our normal show, but I couldn't have asked for more. He uh, really opened up, shared himself, and, and shared a whole lot about just his line of thinking and how faith impacts his life. So I don't think we could ask for much more than that. So ladies and gentlemen, Matt Den Hartog. Hey, Matt, thanks for opening up your house for us and sitting down with us for a little bit. Absolutely. So before we really get into your story, would you tell people a little bit just about you and, and who you are? Yeah. So current state, the, the basic stuff. So um, I am a husband of, what, almost 14 years. Um, we have three kids, uh, 10 Seven. Um, those are the, the girls, and then uh, Ari, who is one. We live here in Ankeny. We, you know this. Uh, we we go to the same Iowa. church, right? So Central Iowa. Um, uh, raised here all my life. Um, lived a couple other places, uh, just for short stints, but really nothing permanent. I am currently in the medical device field, doing sales, um, and let's see what else. Um, you know, those, I guess those are the details everybody yeah. asks yeah, first, right? Kind of, yeah, the big ones, man. <laughs> and growing up, how did you kind of step into your faith? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so um, both of my parents were believers, and we come from uh, a long line of, uh, I think, traditional faith. Or not traditional faith, but generational faith. Um, I think everybody's, every generation is, is a little bit different culturally and whatnot. But grew up in a... Missionary Alliance Church, which is which is more or less I would call non-denominational. Um, it's definitely not one of your big ones like Baptist or Catholic or um, Lutheran. Yeah, um, I've, ne- I've never heard of them yeah. before. So yeah, um, and so it's it's a smaller denomination, uh, but very much kind of in that non non-denominational tradition, right? So not necessarily stuck on real tight traditions or histories or pragmatism, if you will. But I think it was it was a good church. We had a great youth group, um, some really good teaching at different times, depending on what the pastors were, were or who the pastor was. Um, some very influential people, obviously my parents, but there was a couple different youth pastors that were very influential from a faith perspective. I mean, to be honest, I don't know. Um, faith when you I think you you grow up in a family of people that are believers and definitely uh, it's part of their lives I don't think that there's usually a monumental moment that you kind of make this decision I think that you generally make that make the decision to follow Christ over time right so it's little by little it's little step of faith or little step of trust over and over so um, but for the, for the most part, it was it was small town America. Um, had a good in a in a blue collar town. Even though my parents weren't blue collar, still had um, friends that were believers and, and friends that weren't believers. So it was it was just a good mix of in uh, a good town to grow up in and, and a good place to really I think both um, learn what it's like to have have faith and also be in a community of faith. Um, but then also know what it's like to live life in a broken world at the same time. Yeah, and I think one of the one of the neat things is, especially you know, you talk about small town in Iowa, mm-hmm. right? I mean, we have some really small towns, right? And uh, you have to kind of interact with the people around you, believers, non-believers, yeah. And so you get that whole feel, you know, because. In some of these bigger churches and bigger cities, you know, even even Ankeny now, you can surround yourself with believers nearly all of your free time. Yeah, you know, and not quite see 
what the real world sometimes is. Yeah. And so I think that that's a it's a good upbringing, you yeah. know, to to have that real mix. Yeah, hundred percent. I think um, for me, I I um, am real hesitant um, when when people disconnect their uh, their jobs, they disconnect their neighborhood, they disconnect the where their kids school, go to school, they disconnect what kind of activities their kids do, whether it's sports or whatnot, and really try and take all of that and keep it from keep it in this box of what of Christianity, right? Yeah. Um, I think when we're all in a box, the, the world around us doesn't change, and I don't think that that's necessarily what Christ intended for us. It's, I mean, we're called to make change. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I think, you know, um, it, it's less about protecting ourselves and it's more about being open to the fact that, not that you want to do it intentionally, but understanding that you do, you do need to protect yourself, right? So if, if you struggle with alcohol, Maybe you don't go to a big party with your friends or whatever, right? Maybe that's not what you do. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, understand and, and realize that God's grace is big enough no matter what happens. If we screw up or not, um, I'd rather screw up a few times uh, than not have people affected by, by Christ and, and really the gift that he is. Because if we, if we never take some of those risks... Again, the world never changes. So, yeah, yeah. you know, and, and I know that <laughs> there's a. I was at a like a. We work on a specific piece of machinery, and so they sent us to a training school for it. And the last night of the training school, there's always this big party, right? Yeah. And the instructors all show up, and they come, and everything is free. So. It's too easy, you know, you talk about the alcohol side, it's too easy to indulge, right? right? And so I may have had one or two too many. And it was funny because in my mind, I kept going back to my faith, as weird as that sounds. No, absolutely. And the, one of the instructors, I got along with him really well. And, you know, we joked around and piled around a little bit, probably more than most of the other students did. And he showed up at this party, and next thing, me and him are sitting at the table, and I don't know how long we talked about faith. And I'm pushing them, you know, I get, they gave me a hard time because we were there for two weeks. And so Sunday would come, I'm going to a church. Right. Well, where are you going to go? I don't know. I'll just find one. Right. And I just wander into random churches. And so next thing I know, I'm sitting in a bar with this instructor, talking him into going back to church. Right. You know what? He did. Absolutely. And, you know, and that was... I thought about it at the time or later because I was not in a place where I should have been in the first place, yeah. right? I should yeah. not have been intoxicated. Right. I, you know, I should, it's not a smart decision. Right. But somehow the kingdom still worked through me to bring somebody back into faith. Yeah. And, you know, I, I remember we're sitting there and we're talking and people would come up and they, oh, what are you guys talking about? And I'd say, we're talking about God. And they would just turn around and leave. <laughs> so I suppose if you're in a bar and you want people to leave you alone, what are you talking about? God. Yeah, exactly. that, that'll do it. So. Absolutely. But uh, so, I mean, in, in your field, you know, you, you work in medical devices, dealing yeah. with healthcare. So, I mean, you're in and out of doctor's offices and yeah. making deals and, and doing these kinds of yeah. things. Do you see your faith really impacted in that? Yeah, 100%. I think... Um, I think there's a couple ways. I think the biggest thing for me is is I grew up so so my dad was uh, and is still he's in sales and so I never had this perspective of salespeople being evil, right? Because my dad wasn't evil, but um, here he was. He was doing his thing and he was he he was uh, yeah he was making a living, but he was still a good person. He wasn't. Yeah. Um, that that sleazy kind of person that would um, slimy used car salesman. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I hate to say used car salesman because they get a they get a bad rap. <laughs> they're but, easy. To, they're easy. Right. To they're pick easy on. to pick on. Um, but um, the the truth is, um, I think whether however you sort things out from a from a professional standpoint, I think it's about figuring out how even if I don't have a quote spiritual conversation with somebody. 
how do I, how do I, for me, it's how do I serve my customers? How do I love my customers? How do I give them peace when in the middle of the day I walk into somebody's office or, you know, for me, I'm in the OR a lot uh, with my physicians doing cases, you know, how do I be a blessing when I walk in there? Um, whether I say any word about God or not, because when, when you start to connect with people, you're not going to connect with everybody, right? I mean, yeah. I, I don't think that that's necessarily, um, at least for me, um, I always say I'm an acquired taste, so uh, maybe other people get, get uh, along better with everybody. But I think for me, you know, I think about some of the conversations, some of the awesome conversations that have come, come about because I've loved on people and I've tried to be a blessing and... Um, all of a sudden they start open up, opening up about things that I don't think they necessarily talk to other reps or coworkers about. And it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. And I think it all goes back to, yes, I'm successful at what I do, but it really goes back to me serving the people around me um, and serving my customers. And, you know, the truth is you got to figure out who your customer is. I mean, who's, who's that person that you're serving every single day? from eight to five or whatever your hours are and be a blessing. I think that from a professional standpoint, um, a lot of people, and this kind of goes back to the idea that we, we compartmentalize church from our jobs. Um, and I think, um, I think God is pretty smart. Uh, you know, he, he doesn't say that money is bad. In fact, I think, the idea of money is something he probably thought of because it forces us to be in relationship, right? If we if we didn't need money, uh, if we didn't need jobs, guess what? We could just be self-sustaining. Just exist. We just exist, right? And, and and there wouldn't be that opportunity for for relationship, whether that's you know the 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 guy, the kid at the grocery store or at a restaurant or. The used, the used car that you're buying. There, there are all these relationships that come from the idea of trade See, and, and profession. That's neat. I, I've honestly, I've never thought about it like that before. And because I am a creature of habit, right? right? I go to the same barber. I drive an extra 20 minutes just to go to the same bank Yeah. because I like the tellers at yeah. my bank, you know, yeah. and I know everybody. I, you know, I go to the same places because I have a relationship with them. Yeah. I trust them. Yeah. And I, you know, the smaller businesses I do, it's because I want to help support the people yeah. that I like. Absolutely. You know, and, you know, I, I also, I love how, you know, you, in talking about your customers, you're talking about how do I serve them? I mean, you look at it from a totally different angle, which I think is, is beautiful because, you know, it's who am I serving, not who are my customers? Right. You know, you, you, you approach it from a different idea and i think that that shows a different heart when you yeah. when you are going that way so i think that that's i think it's really neat yeah and i think um as a sales guy i mean don't get me wrong there are there are times that i still have to serve my manager and my company and yeah um it's it's i mean i lose my job if i don't sell anything right but i think um when you start to start to process at least if you're you're in a sales job from a peace perspective and, and you realize in the long term if I just do the right thing, everything else will take care of it, ter- take care of itself. Um, but you also have to, have to step back and trust in the idea that like God is in control, one, uh, and that we have we have control of of how we treat people. Um, we don't necessarily always have control over our our success, right? Especially financially. I mean. I don't care how much money anyone has. The truth is we can all be broke overnight, whether that's because of sickness or disaster or changes in the market. No one has true financial security. Now you can have uh, financial peace, which you know I, I do believe in, but, but part of that I think comes from the realization that you can never save enough, you can never make enough, um, to overcome the fact that it is it is all uh, very fickle, right? It, it is, you know, and it's been it's been interesting to me over my business life, mm-hmm. right? I mean, because I've been in business with myself for a long time, and when I started, 
my goal was to make a whole lot of money. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's. I think every twenty-two-year-old kid, you want to drive a fancy car yeah. and live in a big house. And now, that's not so much my desire anymore. You right. know, my desire is to be comfortable. You right. know, I don't want to have to. You know, I lived paycheck to paycheck. Right. I, I did those things and the fact that I don't have to right now is, is a blessing in right. its own. Absolutely. But, you know, just being able to to support my family comfortably and to be able to have my kids not go without. Right. That's that's my goal now. I just want to live a comfortable, happy right. life and you know, my retirement probably isn't what it's supposed to be. Right. You know, and, and everything else isn't in order, but I'm happy, yep. you know, and I think that that's the, I, I meet so many people, I mean, what got me thinking about it was these people who are wealthy, these people who do very well financially, sometimes are really empty, you yeah. know, and, and where do you draw the line? How much money do you really need? Because, yeah. like, I have an out number. Like, if I make a specific amount of money, it's a lot of money. I'm done. Right. I'm done working. I'm done. I'm just going to spend time with my family and yeah. live out my days. And There's... um. In, in psychology studies, and I don't know if you've seen this before, but it's interesting to me. There, there's a number, and I think it's, I'm sure everybody's number is different, but the average, and this is taking in the East Coast, West Coast, Middle America, where we can do make a lot less and live a lot more comfortably, yeah. right? Um, the average number, I think, was something like $70,000 annually, I think, in household income. And once you cross that threshold, and that I, that might not be no, the that right is. And you're talking about yeah. the happiness. Yeah. yeah. So so money really doesn't change your happiness, yeah. right? So and, and I think if you look at, at, at poverty in this country and the mentality of um, poverty, you can see that, right? And you're not worried about after that seventy thousand dollars, you're less worried about your day to day needs, right? Um, uh, unfortunately, not everybody lives. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I think can, what, the yeah. median the median income for the state of Iowa is fifty two thousand, fifty some thousand dollars. Yeah, sure, that sounds I think about right. Something like that. I mean, so you know, seventy thousand in our area is uh, is yeah. a solid income. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, so now, in in the conversations we've had and, and where you're kind of drawing from. Your faith is strong, right? I mean, strong. You could always be stronger. Yeah, it could absolutely. always be stronger. But I mean, I, I look at it and I think that you've put, I mean, you opened my mind, you know what I mean? <laughs> Things that I've never thought about. Have, has it always been like that for you? Um, I think, um, no, absolutely not. So I think there is, um, there is a constant growth, I think, that has to happen. Um, I think one of the biggest things for me and in my personality, um, and I, have you ever done the Strengths Finders test? Um, I don't know. Maybe. It, it's a great. It, it's it, there's even a Christian Strengths Finders, but um, it, it's a it's a good tool and book and, and resource to read about. Um, and I think about the fact that God creates all these different personalities and different things and different ways that we think. And um, one of the one of the my five strengths is learning, right? So I, I constantly have this urge to make things better. Sometimes that's a good thing um, because I always want to improve things. Um, sometimes it's not, sometimes I push things, right? Yeah. Good as, or, or, or uh, good enough is never good enough to a certain extent. But I think uh, the same is true, I think, for my, my faith journey, right? So I grew up in a Christian home. I can't say that I struggled with alcohol or drugs or sex growing up, um, but and I would say even through college, I, I had a pretty steady faith. But it's been steady growth. Um, someone that I that I met with, I hadn't seen in a long time. Um, a mentor, a leader uh, that I knew from from college, who was a few years older. Um, we reconnected a few months ago, and you know, you think, oh, I, I'm not that different than I was. 10, 15 years ago. Yeah. And at the end of the conversation, he says, Matt, you know, I got to tell you, you have grown a lot over this time. And I'm thinking to myself, I don't feel that different. I don't think I've, I look at the world any differently. Um, but then I've, I've kind of reflected on some of our life lessons, just going through life. And you start to realize if you pay attention to life, there are a bunch of little lessons that you learn along the way. 
And, and hopefully the point that I am at today is the same point that I was a year ago, and it's not the same point that I'll be in a year, right? Hopefully that, that kind of moves forward. But um, I, I guess to answer the question, um, I think I've always had a strong faith where, where I'm at from, a, from an age perspective. But never content. No, yeah. absolutely not. There, there are always people um, that I'm learning from it, through relationship, through mentoring, through reading that continue to open my mind and, and create more clarity in, in what God's true design is and, and what's actually going on around me and, and in the world. And I guess maybe part of that is just realizing that at some point you, you learn enough that you realize you know nothing. Right? (laughs) You get like you've learned all this stuff and then you go, Holy crap, I don't know anything. Like and and you start to approach your days like that and you start to be curious and and you always pay attention and you start to learn things, I think, constantly. And so there have I had those big life lessons? I don't know, um, but it's been a heck of a lot of small lessons along the way, Yeah. right? Um, it's just a, it's a different way of growth for me compared to others, and yeah. everybody's different. Everybody story has, is different, right? Yeah, everybody has their own walk, and yeah. I think that, you know, like, I love how you talk about mentorship and, and these things because that's one thing that I've always, I always push is mentorship. Yeah. Um, and on... The honest side of that, sometimes it's difficult. Like I can find business mentors, I can find mentorship in the secular world. Right. I have I have really struggled to find mentorship within churches. Yeah. Um, and maybe it works differently because you know, like in in a business type mentorship, I mean, I'll flat out ask you. You know, I would love to be a mentor, you know, I'd love for you to mentor me for the next six months. Like, yeah. can I learn from you? Yeah. And most people are very open to that. Yeah. Church, I've, I've tried that open type of, hey, I'm looking for a mentor. And, oh, okay. You know, and, and right. you kind of get side-eyed a little bit. Um, or I've just tried to do that, warm up to them and make them your pal. And yeah. I'm going to learn from you. Let's do a study together. Yeah, absolutely. And I've never really... I've always struggled to find a solid Christian mentor. Like, do you, I mean, do you have an approach that you've taken that's helped? Um, I think, so first I would say my mentor, like the the mentors that I have now are not the same mentors that I had 10 years ago. It's not that I outgrew the mentorship, but I needed something different in those times of life. To, to a certain extent, first, I mean, the, the biggest thing is, and I know you're involved, so that's not, that's not your, it's not a hurdle for you to overcome, but I think when I've heard people say this before, I think the first thing I ask is, well, how involved in the church are you? And I don't mean necessarily how strong is your faith, but yeah. if you're only there on Sundays and you walk in and you walk out and you met this guy, they think, hey, this guy's pretty awesome, I think you're probably not going to find the right mentor. Yeah. Because, um, a good mentor for one person might not be a good mentor for another person. Um, and, you know, it, as an example for me, so I was going through a, a program at church and um, got assigned a mentor, and um, it was good. I definitely learned some things, but he and I just didn't click, right? And it's hard and um, in that situation. So it didn't really happen organically. And so I've definitely been a part of that. I think the other part is, I think, People don't know mentorship in the church community, I think, is lacking because a lot of very few people have had those mentors, right? Yeah. Um, and sometimes people are, people are busy, right? Um, it, it's, it's almost easier to be a business mentor, right? You come in, you have a cup of coffee, it's an hour, you pound out specific questions that you might have right now and can, specific issues, and you learn from those things. Versus, you know, hey, I've got Bible study on Friday mornings, or, or, or for, for instance, for our church, it's I've got 
men's group on Friday and then I volunteer with the youth group on Wednesday and I've got all these different things and at some point I think people become really busy uh, from a church perspective and where is that space for them to be able to do that and, and not just mentorship in a, in a group setting but uh, you know in a one-to-one setting yeah. um, I think there's just not I don't think people have had the experience of mentorship which to go back to when i grew up i I speak about one youth pastor in our church he and i had breakfast every other week and it was like just me and him yeah and it was like a true illustration of that i know you know when i was when i was working with high school youth um there was a kid that i would drive home almost every night and he'd be like oh i'll just walk no i'll drive you buddy and pack him up and and those were some of the best conversations we would have are those 10 minute drive home absolutely you know? and i mean he was kind of a, you know not the not the most popular kid you know what i mean so i think sometimes he was a little more reserved in in the group setting mm-hmm. but when you got him alone i mean he was a, a good-hearted good kid but yeah. you know yeah and i find that even people most people in business understand mentorship, but when you're trying to, you know, like I've had other, other guys in construction and I've said, yeah. you know, you need to find a mentor. And they look at me like I'm crazy because, <laughs> you know, that's not something that everybody experiences, I guess, in their life, yeah. you know? And, and I was fortunate enough that, you know, I had a couple of guys fall into my lap that, you know, they just were there for me right. and, and mentored me without me knowing what was happening. Right. You know, and, and insisted, you know, every Tuesday you're going to come to my office and, you know, you'd talk about the test. They would give me like aptitude things and fill this out and take this test. And I didn't know what was going right. on, but they were trying to figure out how I learned. Yeah. You know, what do, what do you do? And, you know, it was, I was actually doing sales for a construction company at that time. Yeah. And, uh, you know what? It, They've never had a salesman like me before, but you know what? I did, I did great. And, you know, they really wanted the suit and tie construction sales guy. And that's not me, right. you know? And, and it was funny because I'm sure, I'm sure it's really common in, in sales, but you know, they'd have a breakdown. How many, how many calls did you take? How many did you close? What's your numbers? And so I'd go through all that with them. And at the beginning, it was horrible. You know, yeah. they were like, here's your, they gave me a clothing allowance. They wanted me to dress so different. <laughs> Here's a clothing allowance. Go buy some clothes. Go do this. Go do that. And, and none of it worked. And then all of a sudden, I put on jeans and a T-shirt, and I walked on the construction sites, and I went and built those relationships and shook hands. And, yeah. you know, I remember the very first one, I was so excited because I closed it. And it was actually, um, do you know Kenny Loader from Prairie Ridge Church? Uh-uh. So he's a, he was a builder, and he's still a builder. But um, I didn't know who the guy was. He was building a house here in, here in Ankeny, and he was lugging this propane tank. I don't even know if he remembers, but he was lugging a propane tank through the mud in this backyard. I just went out in the mud, you know, and this was, you know, I still had khakis on and some dress shoes, and I just got filthy. I'm carrying propane tanks through the mud with this guy, and we get done, and he goes, something about well, what are you here for and i was like is the builder available <laughs> and he's like well i'm the builder and i said well i want to sell you granite okay you know and it was just yeah. that easy you know i yeah. mean and if i would have gone in there suit and tie and tried to tell him how great i was which wasn't who i right. am you know it, you know me trying to pretend to be somebody that i'm not yeah I never would have closed that yeah you know absolutely. i would have gone in there and probably felt less adequate you know, and out of, out of my comfort zone. Right. You, you sense that. You know what I mean? Now that I've been in business for a while, if you don't go in confident, you don't go in knowing and believing in what you have, you don't have a chance. Right. You know, and so, yeah, it's, it's just funny how it all works out. Yeah, so, absolutely. Um, but so now you have three children. Yep. And a wife. Yes. I only have two and a wife, and that's that's a hard <laughs> life, man. No, I, I love it. And your your daughters are a little older than my two. Yeah. Um, what do, what do you do to keep them engaged? Um, you know, I think from a Christian perspective, I think um, you know church is great. Um, you know, our church has uh, has a great kids program, and I think they invest a lot in the kids, a lot more than you know our church growing up probably did. Um, 
But I think the biggest defining moment has been, um, there are two things. I think, first of all, it's them seeing the relationships that we have both with Christians and not Christians, but, but specifically in their growth as Christians, seeing those relationships that we have in our community of how we have a group of people, like-minded people, and that we're not, we're not an, a, a family on an island, right? Yeah. And, the, and they're loved by um, this community, and they see that and they feel that on a day-to-day basis, right? Or, or a week-to-week basis. Um, and then I think the other the other part is just having uh, open conversations every single day when things come up. Right? Uh, we aren't we aren't real disciplined about things like family um, family devotionals, and you know we we do consistently uh, make it a priority to pray at meals and pray before bedtime, but. Uh, I wouldn't call us rock stars from a structured yeah. learning perspective, not, right? Not set in the fireplace and everybody sits around right. while dad reads yeah, Deuteronomy. <laughs> yeah, that's 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 not how we roll. Um, but I think it comes comes down to really opening up discussions um, when different things come up, right? So whatever's on your heart, when you see things happen, um, you got to ask questions, right? So. Um, you know, you see the pain on the world in the world, right? So, one example: you see some country that's going through something horrible, and you see it on the news. Well, why not take that opportunity to talk about why that happens, why that's not God's design, why and how things happen with that situation, why good things happen to or bad things happen to good people, you know, and, yeah. and what that means, right? So. You, so you take those small opportunities, and I think that's become a lot more genuine for us. I think that's just more Amy and I's style, if you will. Yeah, it is to bring those things up, and you know, it, it means that it just it just means you get you got to be constantly curious and constantly paying attention, right? Yeah. Well, the the paying attention part. I find it interesting for me at home at least because I'm amazed at how much attention they pay to what we do. Oh, 100%. And, and uh, the things that they pick up and, and even from a faith perspective, you know, my, my youngest is four and he's been on this kick about how he's in Jesus's army. And his goal is to fight darkness. <laughs> and it's hilarious because he will go around. It doesn't matter where he's at. Right. I mean, he'll go to daycare and he tells his daycare people, I'm in Jesus's army and I'm going to fight all That's the darkness. Awesome. You know, and it's, it's so funny just the, the, you know, the faith of a child. Right. You know, and how much they actually pick up of what yeah. we do. And, you know, sometimes from the bad side, sometimes my negative aspects of me right. get picked up in them just as much as the positive ones yeah. and yeah but you know just trying to keep them engaged and and fulfilled in their faith too and you know I, that's one of the things that worries me you know as they get older and older <laughs> how do how do you you know I, I wasn't a kid who grew up in faith and so I don't know how you go through I mean I've seen other kids go through that trend you know the transition periods you know, your friends come and next thing you're busy with all that and sports right. and high school and college. And how does a kid maintain his faith then? You know what I mean? Like, that's just it's yeah. something that rattles my brain and I worry about. Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, I think we all have a lot of goals in life and then you have kids and all of a sudden you kind of reevaluate things, right? And you go like, I don't care how much I fail from a personal perspective. And then, yeah. but my biggest... If if I fail at everything, but my kids come out as stronger believers than I am, like then I will go to the grave happy. Yeah. If I have no money to my name and in the worst health and die the ho- most horrible death, if I can if I can go through that and realize that, like I think I would be happy, right? Like that's my biggest fear um, is that this this person that God has entrusted us 
to be caretakers of and yeah. lead and and shepherd. If you fail at that, like um, I, I I don't I don't know the pain that 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 and, and I've seen that right. So we all have friends who older older friends that have kids that have gone through that and. You can see it in their eyes. Um, yeah. You know, it's it's just that's the scariest thing I think for me than anything. You know, and, and I think that that's in in our relationship and in, in my marriage, we struggled to have children for a long time, and it was always something that we wanted. Right. right? I mean, we wanted it, and we got to the point where we were, yeah, at least me, you know, like questioning. Why, why won't God gift me a child, right? Like, and, and, you know, I know it's false thinking now, but that, you know, just thinking back and, you know, did, what did I do wrong? Like, is there something that I did? You know, all those things that pour through your brain, even, even if they, they're not real, you still experience yeah. them. And, uh, and then finally, once we found out we're having a baby, it was... Amazing. You know what I mean? It was like yeah. it was that idea of I, I got a gift. You know, I'm, right. God has given us this child, and now that they're five, sometimes it's hard to remember <laughs> that it's a wonderful <laughs> gift. But you know, I, I know exactly kind of what you mean, and yeah, it's yeah. I mean, it's a it's a wonderful thing, and it saddens me sometimes when I see the world, and I see people who see their children as a burden. Yeah, you know, because I'm sure that I don't always come off as the most wonderful dad in the world, but I never want my kid to think they're a burden. Right. Because you know that idea of if they're better off than I am, you know, me and me and my wife were talking the other day, and you know, we have what 20 years before my kids are really doing something, right. and you know, and I already think about it, like you know, well, if my kid doesn't want to go to college, and they want to start a business. I'll just shut down my business and go help them start one. Right. You know, like if you can do better than I am, fantastic. Let's let's set you up for your life because yeah. if your life is happy, mine's happy. Yeah, absolutely. You know? Well, and I think you know the other thing about parenthood is um, it's amazing the the um, parallels that God uses and the, the relationships that God used to really illustrate things, right? So like, you know, you talk about kids being a per- burden. Well, it doesn't make your life any easier, right? Having kids does not make your life easier. No. Um, and it's a lot of work and it's a lot of time and it's a lot of um, leaving your own priorities or your own desires at the door, right? The, the instant you get a kid. And it's not always fun. But I think, don't you think that's the way Christ thinks about things or God thinks about us, right? So we're his kids. It's, it's not always easy, right? It, it's, yeah. it, but, but we still love our kids, right? And so, and, and, and who knows? I mean, I, I think, and this is, this is probably Satan uh, drifting into my thoughts, but it's like, I, I think, yeah, the flood, that totally makes sense to me. Like, I'd be ticked off and whatever, too. Exactly. Like, right? Like, um, you know, um, it's not easy, but, um, you know, God uses that relationship, I think, to, to really illustrate how much he loves us and cares for us. And so it's... Um, yeah, it's, it's just a different side note so, to think about when it comes to parenthood. Yeah, you know, and that's, yeah, I, I like, you know, that, the idea of it doesn't get easier because, yeah, I mean, how many times have you, you know, at least I know I've seen it where, oh, we'll have a baby and life will be better. No, yeah, yeah. You know, the, a baby isn't going to make any relationship no. better. <laughs> no, well, and, and the truth is, no relationships make life easier no. to a certain extent, right? So I don't care if it's um, that, that person that really has that desire to get married, right? Marriage doesn't always make your, marriage doesn't make your life easier, no. right? It's someone else that you have to go through this process of figuring out how you become one. That's not usually a super easy pro- process. Yeah. There's a lot of joy that comes with that, but marriage doesn't make things easier. Kids don't make things easier. 
having to relate to your coworkers a lot of times or your customers or that neighbor doesn't always doesn't usually make life easier yeah. but in the end a lot of times it still makes life better it's uh, fulfilling right yeah well and, and and i don't know if it's fulfilling i think it's just there's there's i think god designed us to be in relationship yeah. right uh, he he didn't design us to be um, be alone but um, and it's interesting that you bring up fulfillment because one of the biggest things, uh, and we have we have uh, cousins that have gotten married recently, or, or uh, friends, and you know, uh, marriage takes on I think a, a completely different um, context if you're a believer. And what I and, and this comes this all comes back to from Francis Chan, and, and one of the biggest things I think uh, from one of the books I've read of his is. Um, in one of his marriage books, he basically says, you need to give up the idea that you will fulfill anyone um, or that you can fulfill anyone, which is first of all humbling, right? Because you have to come down as the hero of this person and be like, I'm not going to fix them, right? But it also frees you from the idea that you have to be the hero, Right, and it also frees you from the idea that um, it also frees your spouse to not have to be your hero that fulfills you because they cannot fulfill you. The yeah. only thing that will fulfill you is Christ, and until you have that, you will always have a hole. And expecting somebody else to fill that, whether it's a spouse or a kid, or a job, it will never fulfill you. The only thing that fulfills us is Christ. Yeah. So it's, uh, that that word just triggers something immediately, yeah. especially. No, I mean, I, I think that that's a, I think that's great. I mean, it goes back to the idea of money. Money won't fulfill you. No. You know, all these things that you chase in life are not fulfilling. They're, they're in the moment, they are pleasing, right? But at the end of the day, that all fades away. Yeah, you know? absolutely. So, absolutely. I think that that's a I think that's a great great point. So, um, so now you had two daughters. Yeah, they both got a little bit older. Yeah, and then I remember I remember your wife telling me that you guys were getting gonna have a a little boy. Yeah, and uh, I was feeling bad for you. And then she told me that, uh, that you were super pumped about it. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So our first two girls are, um, we are, they're biological parents, um, or they're biological to us. Um, and then, um, we had always said, so, so to lay the groundwork, I'm adopted. So, um, I had always had this kind of heart of and desire because my experience with adoption was so positive with my family and my parents and my extended family. Um, and then Amy kind of had this this heart for it too, that we always said and felt call, called to the idea that if life was working out um, and that financially things were um, good, we would go through the adoption process. Uh, and both of those things were checked off, and so it was kind of like God laying out those lambskins and saying, "Hey, you said you'd do this. Now, now um, is the time. Now is the yeah. So, um, yeah. So there's a there's a six year gap between our middle um, girl and Ari, but we started the adoption process because um, we felt called to do it. And um, there's a lot of uh, misconceptions, and I think misunderstandings about um, what adoption is and and whatnot but the truth was um, we just felt called to do it um, so we, we did it yeah I think that it's I think that it's neat I think that it's honorable and yeah the there's so many the misconceptions you know I mean sometimes you know like I've, I've heard people before say well why would you why would you adopt you could have your own you know what I mean and, yeah. and different things like that and I think that it opens up a whole different side of the heart yeah. that you're willing to 
open up your house and op- you know open up to a new child and and say I love you and I'm going to raise you as yeah. my own. I, I think that there's something there that that's worth it. You know. Yeah, I think um, I think it's interesting because even when you say those words, like I, it, it, it was hard. It's hard for Amy and I to understand this idea that like um, it would be tough to love on this kid, right? Or open things up. And, it, and um, maybe it's because I'm adopted and understand that relationship. Um, but it was, it was never about saving anybody. It was never about charity. It was, it was, it was God called us to add to our family in that way, right? It was, it was, it was no different than God saying, "Hey, you should have a baby biologically." I mean, it was it was literally like, you know, God just God expects or not God expects God God creates different pathways for people, and yeah. it's different, but it's not necessarily right. It's not necessarily wrong. It's just different. So um, for us, that's what it was. Uh, adoption is no less natural in, in our opinion than than having a baby biologically. Yeah. I think, I mean, I think, yeah, I mean, that's, you know, if for, because it wasn't international. I mean, no. that's one thing you see a lot is, oh, yeah. we've got international adoption. Yeah. And I know that any way that somebody does it, I mean, I, I, you know, being somebody who struggled with having children, I think that any time that you can bring that joy into your life, it's fantastic, right. you know what I mean? And, you know, I think that there's so many different ways to to go about doing it that, you know, you guys finding your way and doing it, I, I think is just, it's something that I definitely wanted to like try to explore with you a little bit because, you know, it's not something that I get to talk with somebody yeah. about all that often. Yeah, well, and, and international is interesting because, um, you know, international has changed a lot um, over the last, five, six years, especially the, the amount of um, challenge uh, in some of these international countries has changed. And I think uh, domestically has its own challenges. But for us, it was because um, when it, this, is, this is interesting, this is definitely a God thing. But we, we, to be honest, expected based on some of the visioning and some of the planning in our life that um, we weren't going to be able to have kids biologically. It was just kind of this ex- expectation that was like, well, God's put this vision in our head. And we had this vision of like adopting from multiple countries, right? Yeah. And, and Multiple multiple ethnic. Children. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We had this kind of vision of things. And then like we had our two girls and it was like, okay, well, that's, that's cool. Um, and then God definitely changed what we we had kind of put in our heads and um, definitely he took us down this one path but I don't think he ever intended us to go down that path he kind of made a detour right and so we end up with this kid that looks like us and um, is from you know two hours away and and God definitely changed that One one of the things I think that I've learned not just through the adoption process, but in job situations, is sometimes God, uh, to go back to that, sometimes God kind of takes you down a path, but he doesn't always expect you or doesn't anticipate that you'll get to the end of that path, right? He'll, he'll, he'll maybe pull you back off of that trail completely because he never intended for you to get to that destination on that path, yeah. right? Or he'll give you a fork in the road and make it completely change. So he pushes you down this path and prepares you for what you think is a destination. And then your destination completely changes. But for some reason, he still wanted you to go through that, right? It's, you know, it's funny for me because I always, I talk a lot about, you know, God puts these things in front of me. And sometimes it doesn't work out. Sometimes it doesn't even get started. Right. But sometimes I think it is just God wanting me to say, you're in control and I'm going to do what it is that you want me right. to do. And it's just that matter of me turning it over and then he kind of goes, all right, you can keep going. Right. You know what I mean? And I like, know, just, to, just to test and to see, right. you know, am I, willing, am I willing to do what I'm called to do? Right. 
Well, and sometimes we never know or never see the fruits of what those relationships along that path were. Maybe it wasn't about you at all, yeah. right? I Most mean, of the time it's probably not. Right, about yeah. You. I mean, that's the challenging thing. You know, when for me, when it's been job stuff and things haven't worked out for um, promotions or, or, or different things or, or projects, and, you know, I've, I've been like, God, I feel like this is like a perfect fit. Like, I feel like you prepared me for this moment. And then you look back and you go, no, but if I wouldn't have been at this point and never made it to there, I wouldn't have been maybe in this other situation, or I never would have been in this relationship with these certain people who um, I feel like had some impact or I had some impact from those people. Yeah. It's, it's pretty amazing. You know, and, and it goes that hindsight's twenty twenty. you know, and it's amazing to me sometimes when I look back at these little tiny, I mean, it goes back to that little thing you talk about incremental growth. These little tiny places where people have put themselves in my life or situations, and now they've radically changed the direction 10 years later right. that my life is in, whether they taught me a skill or they, you know, I learned something from them or a relationship from them or, you know, and how all those little things impact you all the way down the road 100 and i don't think that anybody you know like the people that you've touched the people that i've touched will never know right and it's it's been one of those things where i've tried to actually go back to some of the people that you know the ones that stick in my mind real strong go back to them and thank them and you want to talk about awkward yeah <laughs> you know but on the, i mean i'm sure if somebody did that to me it'd be awkward for me as well but just that idea of, I hope that when they sit back, and, and most of these guys are getting older, you know, and the trades you learn from the old guys, yeah. and a lot of them are dead, you know, right. and so, but you go back to these older guys, and it's really important for a tradesman that your skill that you have developed through your life gets passed on to somebody else, because right. all those little tips and tricks, somebody's going to take those from you, and they're going to keep evolving in their skill, and they're going to be better than you. Same thing with a kid. They're going to yeah. be better than you were, Absolutely. and they're going to teach somebody else. And, and those things that you struggled with, you know, the guys that I learned from struggled with in the 1950s. Right. Now their skills in 2020 are still put to work. Yep. You know, and, and that's something that, you know, in, in the trades, um, they've kind of stepped away from some of the apprenticeship yeah. process. And so I see some of these newer guys that have gone through more education and less apprenticeship, and they come out not knowing quite as much. Right. Well, I mean, they can read it from a book, and maybe they, they know some of those test-type things better, but the actual function, working with your hands and doing it, they haven't had that that knowledge that's been passed down from all of these these men who've come before them right and you know and so i think that it's neat to be able to let them know you know they're retired now they sit around and build bird houses or whatever they do right but in the, when they when they think about what was the impact that my life had whether it was somebody in faith or somebody in business they know hey i know i touched somebody yep. and, and i think it's super important but that's mentorship, right? Yeah. That, that, I mean, that's walking alongside somebody in their situation and 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 using their experience and their knowledge and their understanding of the situation as a whole or how it impacts the situation as a whole. Yeah. And uh, or just minutely impacts things. That's mentorship, right? I mean, and, and shouldn't we have? that same expectation or that same desire to both be mentor and mentored in our faith and in yeah. our churches. It doesn't mean that they're perfect, right? Because the old guy couldn't, the old guy at the job site couldn't read a CAD drawing, right? Or whatever, yeah, exactly, right? Exactly, yeah. But, 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 and so maybe they're not gonna mentor you on that, but it's the other stuff that they're gonna mentor on. And, and I think Christian mentoring, the more I thought about that statement that it's been hard sometimes to get people to mentor you. I think, I think Christianity is interesting because we all know 
exactly what we struggle in yeah a lot of times right i mean i think we all know because we have that internal compass of and some people don't don't get me wrong some people don't have a real good uh self uh, clarity right it, of what they're good and bad at but i think a lot of times people that you're going to ask to be a mentor know exactly what their struggles are and they yeah. go i'm not good enough why would you want me for, as a mentor like there are, I, here are the 20 other people that I think would be better mentors for you, and that's what that person says. But those 20 people also know exactly what they're struggling with and would say, right, no, here's yeah. 20 people, right? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's the same thing. So, yeah. I don't know. I, not that I want to circle around on that, but no, it's just an idea. You know, and, and you, know, you talk about, earlier when we were talking about it, you know, about how you for a short time, maybe that person would be your mentor. Um, I, I dealt with some of that. I was accountability for a couple guys. And so, you know, I tried to hold them accountable to, to things that they wanted to give up. And, uh, you know, how does, how does that work? And, you know, pretty much told them, I said, listen, I, I'll be your accountability partner on this. And, and, you know, we'll talk on the phone, we'll meet, we'll do lunch, we'll do all these things and I'll check in with you. In six months, if it's not better, I'm not the right person for you. Right. You know, because, yeah, I mean, it shouldn't, I shouldn't have to be your accountability partner for life. And I know that there's times where, you know, I've seen guys stray away from wanting to hold people accountable or put themselves out in that way because they're worried about how long it'll drag on for. Set a date. Say, hey, next six months, I'll give it to you. You know, you need me to call you every Saturday, I'll call you every Saturday. Right. You know, Whatever it is that, that you need for whatever your situation is, you know. But yeah, if it if you have a mentor and you're not growing, you need to find a new mentor. Right. Absolutely. You know. Absolutely. Well, and I think life is life is full of seasons, right? Yeah. And, and life life is full of seasons where different relationships are appropriate for that season, which is you know hard hard to realize, right? Or, or how to, hard to figure out over a lifetime when you look back and you go, man, I wish I would have stayed in touch with so and so or so and so. And I don't necessarily think that's always how life necessarily works um, with relationships and mentors and how we change and and whatnot. But yeah, yeah, I think I think that it's all pretty good, man. You know, what I mean, like as long as somebody, as long as you're moving forward. As long as you're progressing, I think that there's there's definitely a place, you know, in, in somebody's walk, there's somebody who can be there for them. Yeah. It's just a matter of reaching out. And, and I know that one of the things that, that I think I probably struggle with a little bit more too is, um, you know, I, I live fairly openly, right? I mean, right. I air my dirty laundry on the internet for everybody to hear. Uh, but I find that so many people put on these kind of masks and hide and, and I don't, it, it rubs me wrong. You know right. what I mean? Like don't, you can't come to me and expect me to believe that everything is perfect right. all the time because right. that's, that's a lie. You know what I mean? We can look, I think we all know people, you can look on the outside, beautiful house, beautiful family, always smiling, you know, everything looks great. But you know what? There's something in that that those people struggle with too. Everybody has it, yep. you know, and and if you're not willing to to live into that into my life as well as I live into yours, it makes it, it makes it hard for me sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. So absolutely. But well I know that we're we're coming up on, on an hour and I know that uh, we got some things to do. Is there anything that you'd like to wrap up with? Is there anything that you'd you'd like to let people know about anything we talked about, anything else about you? Before we close this no, thing I th- out. No, I think, you know, based on the stuff that we talked about, I think my, ba- my biggest thing um, that I think is, that has kind of stuck out is, um, is, is be okay with the small growth, right? Yeah. Sometimes God's timing for our growth isn't as quick as we expect it. But I think if we are always trying to seek Him and always trying to be closer, um, and paying attention to that, I think, you, you know, everybody's everybody's relationship and how they grow is completely different. And, and that if everyone would stop trying to be someone else, whether that's in how they grow or who they are or what they're good at, I think, and realize that 
as diverse as God has created the earth and the animals and the insects. Uh, he has created us uniquely, uniquely in the same way from our personalities and what our path is, right? I think if we stop focusing on each other, which, um, and really look towards him and the light, which is um, a total parallel to a piece of artwork that we have hanging in our, 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 our house right now. I think the more we realize that God is a perfect designer, we just need, sometimes it's okay to be okay with where we're at, right? Not, not that, and be okay with what his plan is and trust that it's okay, and in the end it's gonna be okay. So, yeah, does that make sense? It makes sense to me, <laughs> it does. So, I can't tell you how much I appreciate your time. Yeah, of course, absolutely. My pleasure, man. Thanks again, buddy. All right, well, I hope you enjoyed listening to Matt and his story and us just kind of share a little bit about mentorship and, and life in general. Remember, you can always stay up to date with us on the website at godwatchlive.com. Stay in touch with us on social media. And uh, we look forward to hearing from you. So with that, have a great week and be blessed.